This episode of the only podcast about movies was recorded a little differently. Since Shahir's on the run from the law, he couldn't be in the studio during the time of the recording. So please excuse any audio anomalies you may hear while we try to match up our words. Also, this was recorded before the Oscars, so if you're looking for some Matt Rage about Spotlight, wait till next week. With that said, enjoy the show. My name is Matthew Kroll, famed in multiplexes across this great nation of the United States of America, playing the most recent superhero movies. And my name is Shahir Dowd, and I'm famed in small art house theaters that nobody attends. And this is the only podcast about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. Uh, now, it wasn't it called Green Destiny at some point, or am I making that shit up? I think you might be making that up, but that's what the sword is called. The sword's called Green Destiny. So I was looking up sort of like reviews and other things, and a lot of people were like, when I saw the thing, it was like, oh, uh, Crushing Taker, Hidden Dragon, Green Destiny trailer today. And I was like, huh? Yeah. No, I think, I mean, p- perhaps it got changed uh, somewhere in the marketing, but uh, but definitely the sword is called Green Destiny, but the film, as far as I can tell, is called Sword of Destiny. I it is. Well, that's, what, that, that's what Netflix told me. This is a Netflix original film, Shakir, based off a very popular film from 16 years ago. Yeah, 16 years, and based off a popular series of books as well. Um, ah. And this is the second Netflix movie that you and I have done, um, and so yes. I guess we should yes. probably talk about that whole phenomenon. Now, uh, I'm not around right now, as, as you No, you are in parts unknown. I'm staring at your microphone loggingly. I'm actually <laughs> stroking it right now. You are not uh. in the same room as me. We're using um, magical internet technology. Um that, and uh, I can and know, I can feel your strokes, by the way. It's, yeah, that's, it's that's very strange. That's a different kind. Of, maybe we're actually martial arts masters if you can feel me doing that right now. Now, did the film play? It, this was a simultaneous release, right? Like, did the film play in theaters? I mean, that's the rumor, but I didn't see it anywhere. I, and here's the. Th- I mean, I guess the broader question is: is knowing that it was on Netflix and knowing that it was in theaters, which would you choose? Uh, Netflix. One hundred percent. Let me. Can, okay, let's talk about that real quick. And I, this is a sad, sad story. But here we go. Last night I went to go see. Uh, th- I did a double feature yesterday. I did uh, this film and I did The Witch. Oh, I'm um, so I'm so bummed. I really, really want to see The Witch. And I, I know, want us to I talk know. about The Witch. I know. One day, one day we will. But I want to talk more about the experience in the theater of seeing The Witch in Brooklyn, uh, in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, it was it, the witch is a very quiet film, uh, but I don't know if it was because it was so quiet and sort of like uh, not monotonous, but just like um, very it, um, purposeful in its silences. Um, <laughs> but it just I noticed so much more bullshit at the theater than I usually do. Shahir, <laughs> I counted nine cell phones drop. Oh god! Like, you well, know when someone drops their phone, and I was like, every time I'm like, I pray your fucking screen cracked. Like, yeah. And, and there was that. There were four times where people with le- not people that work there, but just regular people with legitimate flashlights were walking up trying to find seats. Oh god! And then I won't even count how many people were like actually on their phones or using them as lights. Now um, that of of the things that you just mentioned, I think the most egregious is when people use their phones. Oh, I, I think just using your phones. Like, here, here's a public service announcement from me. If you use your phone for anything other than a flashlight in a movie theater, yeah. you're a complete yeah. dipshit. Yeah, but I was every time they dropped, I was so happy. Um, <laughs> but I thought that'd be the end of it, but nope, five minutes later. And it really took me out of sort of the, the world that that movie was trying to build. You're in so, 1630s New Hampshire, and then you're in, you know, 2016 yeah. New I York. Know. I know. Yeah. So, so, yeah, that movie was in my backyard, and I still felt disconnected from it. Um, so... Yeah, my, my point is, uh, with more and more experiences happening like that with films, and I'm not saying this is a film that I couldn't enjoy in the theater because the, the Crouching Tiger sequel that we're going to be talking about today and The Witch are two very different films. But um, I, I just think I, the more this is happening, the more I'm like, why do I like going here? Like, you yeah. have to find a good theater with a good general crowd to keep it going. Yeah, it's For almost like anyway. you have to... Yeah, I completely agree. Like, it's hard to justify going to see a movie at the movies these days, you know, given the, the cost of it and the douchiness of the audience around you and the general, Seriously. like... The, the general uncomfortableness of, like, leaving your apartment these days is, like, such a barrier to entry for me to, like, go to the movies. I, I reserve <laughs> going to the movies for big films that that feel like they should be seen on a big screen. Now, Matt, yes. you and I both 
own projectors at home, so we both have the ability to watch big screens. But there are still, even with that capacity, there are certain movies like, for example, The Revenant, which I felt is an experience you should have in a theater as opposed sure. to having it home. I mean, yes, uh, it all depends on, I guess, which theater and how it, it's it's all like it's it's checks and balances and like levels and shit. It's like how much do you value like a really beautiful screen uh, against people fucking talking and uh, doing bullshit throughout the movie? Like, yeah, so completely. It's, 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 it's balances. And I don't want to be that dude that doesn't like going to the movies. We do a movie podcast. The only one uh, <laughs> I might say. And it just sucks that the experience is being degraded. And, and I do feel like I'm the old guy now. Yeah. Like, I'm like, Meh, kids in their fucking, but these aren't kids. Oh, and you'll love this, Shahir. There was a stroller that wheeled into the witch. Oh, God. Uh, into uh, the, the witch? I will say, baby, super well behaved. So uh, maybe maybe that first, there's a scene where some stuff happens with the baby, so maybe that shut him up. But this was, uh, a, but anyway. this was a nighttime screening, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That oh, baby yeah. should be at home in bed. I'm sorry. Yep. It should be. Yep. <laughs> there's no way it should be at the movies. Maybe they were the witch. Uh, but anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. So back to the Netflix discussion of it. I think it's good. And I think particularly for this type of film, it's very good. Um, I don't know how I would have felt going to pay like 20 bucks and seeing it in a, in a movie theater. Um, I think my, my review, as we'll sort of get into it, will be um, it takes its delivery method in account. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, although I did feel it kind of, sh it 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 felt now because the film was filmed in New Zealand, it felt a little bit Lord of the Rings, Hobbit y to me, and I wondered if that was kind of meant that it kind of felt like it should be in a movie theater. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, something, and we'll get into this a little bit more later on. But something that really hit me in the face when I first started watching it, I was like, "Wow, this movie looks." gorgeous like yeah. the first 20 minutes or so are fucking beautiful and i know there's some green screen and i know some other stuff but i didn't care because it looked so fucking cool and different and colorful and i didn't feel like it felt like lord of the rings it just felt like it was something that um that I, I hadn't seen before or in a while like i was like man like this i'm like if this is what i'm in for i'm really gonna enjoy myself and then uh <laughs> as the movie progresses it's almost like they used all their wonderment up top yeah uh, it did not have that feeling of beauty throughout the entirety of it. So, like, it primed me for something that it didn't necessarily deliver on. But that's uh, getting further down the thing. Yeah. But, Shahir, do you want to talk about the special the special thing you've aligned from, oh, from the mystical you've, ether you've, when you're not in this room? Yeah, you've ruined my surprise, Matthew. I wanted to surprise you with, uh, with a special guest that we had um, consult with us on this episode. Now, um, just a little background about me. Um, I once, uh, once I graduated from film school in New Zealand, I ended up teaching at that film school, and I TA'd for a number of years is what you would Spoiler call alert, you've <laughs> mentioned you taught at a film school almost every podcast. Just going to say that right now. Well, because this was going to lead into my other thing, which is about pretentiousness and, and pretentiousness in film students. <laughs> um, you know, because one thing that a pretentious film student will always do is mention that they've been to film school. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I ended up to TAing there, and one of the professors I ended up TAing for. Uh, was a guy by the name of Dr. Aaron Hanjun Manyun Park, uh, who is who I was very fortunate to to actually TA for, um, and uh, who, through some circuitous uh, turns of fate, ended up taking over a course with um, with another colleague of mine, Andrew Patel. Uh, mm -hmm. We ended up taking over his film 101 course, or maybe he ended up taking it over from us. I can't remember how it quite worked. Um, oh, history. I'm going to read you Aaron's, um, uh, or Dr. Park's, uh, bio. He currently is the assistant professor at um, the uh, Hong Kong University. And he is the assistant professor in the Department of Comparative Literature. Uh, he received his PhD in film studies at the University of Iowa. And the reason we've got him on this episode is he specializes in Pan-Asian cinema with a focus in Hong Kong action and contemporary South Korean cinema. Um, so so I was, overall badass is what you're saying. Oh, he's a, he is fantastic. And one of the things, like my personal um, affection for Aaron um, has to do with the fact that he introduced me to a number of amazing Korean films. Um, he introduced mm -hmm. me to one of my favorite filmmakers, Lee Chang-dong, uh, yep. whom he wrote uh, 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 an amazing essay about his film, Peppermint Candy. But, uh, oh, nice. 
Aaron is also one of those, uh, you know, I was going to talk about pretentiousness in cinema and Aaron uh, in, in, in academic uh, cinema studies. And Aaron is one of the few people that does not have any pretensions whatsoever. He is the kind of guy that gets as excited for uh, an obscure film um, by M. Quantic in Korea as he does for James Cameron's Terminator 2. Uh, he's just a, he's a, a lover of cinema, but also... Uh, an incredible intellectual in cinema studies um, who uh, for anyone who has him as a student now is very fortunate to do and we are very lucky to have him uh, consult or ask some questions now we had hoped that we could get him on live but unfortunately because of my absence from the studio it would have been a little bit yep. more complicated to get us all shame in. yeah but ding hopefully, ding ding hopefully shame. we can get more Aaron in at some point um, yes but the reason we got him in was that this uh, this particular genre of of Chinese and Hong Kong cinema, wushu pian, uh, is something that he happens to be an expert in. And so I wanted to throw him a couple of questions that could help prime our discussion. And the first question I asked him, just a real basic primer question, which is, could you give us a, a definition of wuxia films? Uh, and and uh, this is what he said. The wuxia pian literally translates to the martial night film genre. It's usually translated into English as the fantastical sword-fighting film. It originally featured a nusha, which is a female knight, as a genre's protagonist. It was later changed by director Zhang Zhe into a male knight, but historically it is the nusha, the female knight, and this is a tradition that is respected by Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and its sequel, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. The protagonist is usually someone with um, heightened martial skills defined by a particular school of martial arts, a particular weapon, or a particular secret move. They attain this level of mastery by their development of one's qi, qi spelled in Mandarin or romanized in English as ki, qi, through the Japanese tradition, it loosely translates as energy. You gain chi by focusing your self-development through the martial arts, practicing, studying under a great grandmaster, or being inspired by nature or by defeat. Once you have attained a heightened form of chi, you can perform gravity-defying leaps shoot energy bolts out of your palms, and perform jaw-dropping fight moves with or without weapons. The wuxia pian also is a vehicle for moral edification since it promotes traditional Chinese values of loyalty, honor, and duty, and even uh, self-sacrifice. Well, damn it! I need to get me some chi, like yeah. yesterday, <laughs> because that describes almost everything I've ever wanted. You need to focus your attention. I, I've been telling you this for as long as I've known you, Matt. You need to focus your energy, and soon you'll be able to shoot fireballs. Wait, hold at, on, hold on. There's something face. shiny in the corner. I just, oh, hold on. Okay. No, just, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn it, Matt. No, uh, that's an awesome, Aaron. Thank you so much for uh, your answer. That is, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've. Let me just let's back up just a second. I've, I got into these movies. Apparently, like you got in uh, to this sort of stuff, Shahir, through a wonderful teacher in, in Aaron. I, 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 through, I served under a grandmaster. Right, where I served under a completely different grandmaster, a drunken master, if you will. There is oh, a man uh, who is uh, by the name of Matthew Marchetti, who I met in college. He was a friend of mine. And he was huge into Korean cinema. He's always been my go-to uh, for either foreign or, like, almost schlock films. I know there's sort of two different yeah, sort of genres. You don't want to lump those but, two together. <laughs> but, but like, he, he would always – it'd basically be, like, the movies you'd never find out about unless you had a guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got me so into uh, Korean cinema and just Asian cinema, cinema in general. I, I ended up going out and buying, back in the day, a region-unlocked uh, DVD player so I could watch – all these films he turned me on to. And the first one that I watched, which was not uh, a Wuxia film, uh, but it was uh, it was called The Resurrection of the Little Match Girl. Oh, and I... That's a, that's a Korean film, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, haven't seen it, but I know it. Yeah, well, vaguely right. know so it. So I used to watch it all the damn time, yeah. but I will say this, it didn't have a subtitle track. Ooh, so boy. to this day, 
I've only managed to sort of watch, but like, anyway, it, it's the interesting story of it is he was sort of my gateway drug in, in a much, uh, I guess, less academic way <laughs> than uh, Aaron was for you. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Aaron uh, has, I mean, it's still not a genre that I'm particularly, like, I, I know basically the whole, you know, like the, the main bodies of work within this film, films like uh, Once Upon a Time in China, mm-hmm. um, Crouching Tiger, obviously, is, the, is a major turning point. But here, you know, since Crouching Tiger, Hero and uh, House of Flying Daggers, both by Zhang Jimou. Yep. Um, so it's, it's a genre I am familiar. It, it, to me, it, the, the almost the, the, the analogous Western genre would be the Western um, you know, which is about tradition, honor. Uh, it's about you know the gunfighter coming into town. Uh, right, and it's with, almost like chi and in these abilities is replaced with grit and gumption. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they're they're definitely not like one to one analogous genres, but no. they they feel similar in, in some sense to me. Uh, Aaron might correct me on that. Um, but uh, but so moving on from that, uh, what, were you a fan of Crouching Tiger? Hidden Dragon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back in the day, uh, and I, I think I, I liked it uh, for two reasons. One, because obviously the action was super cool, and it wasn't something that I was used to back yeah. in, in that time. And then two, it was kind of like a, a really good emotional film ride. But like back then, let's see, what was that, 16 years ago? Is that right? Yeah, it's a long time um, ago. We were, we're showing so, our age. I know. So I was in some sort of education system when that came out. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't sort of popular with, with the people that I was hanging out with. Um, to sort of like be a fan of like sort of I guess more emotional films, and I remember it having a very sort of like strong emotional pull to me. Just the story, or the sort of like pseudo love triangle thing, and like, but it was like it, it was it it did both of its jobs very well. It made me invested in the characters and what was happening, and it was super badass fights. So it was nice to have a super badass fight movie that I would not that I could also like really give a shit about the characters and be emotionally invested and not be called a pussy when I was so little. <laughs> unlike, you know say, I mean? unlike, say, modern Marvel movies or something like that, right? Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? You don't think I'm, there's... <laughs> well, I th- I'm, I'm sorry. I think about half of them do have very strong emotional pulls. You just... They just go I over just, your head, my friend. They just go over my head. I'm not a, I'm not really at that level. No. <laughs> so, so you have to train now. I do. I have to I have to focus my chi. Yep. Um, my, you have to watch uh, Iron Man for three days straight <laughs> while standing on one foot and balancing a jar. And then perhaps, maybe, no, I don't think even then I would get emotionally invested in that movie. Moving on. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, film school pretentiousness showing up right there. Um, no, I love Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And I think um, uh, I, I saw it in the United States. It was 2000. And I, uh, I think I was actually dating a Vietnamese girl at the time who grew up with um, a lot of wuxia films. Mm-hmm. And so she was kind of explaining to me how she thought it was kind of a rip-off film or it didn't quite work in the same way. But I still didn't never quite bought into that because even going back to watch uh, more wuxia films since then, I still find Crouching Tiger to be the most emotionally engaging. And maybe that's because... Uh, Ang Lee, ha- you know, comes from this uh, Hollywood tradition of investing yes. human drama into mm-hmm. action. Maybe it's something particular to him, um, but yeah, I, I found the 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 emotional uh, love stories that are happening in that film, and there are two that are happening in that film simultaneously. Yes almost exactly the same that happens in Crouching Tiger, Sword of Destiny, yep. worked real, balanced perfectly well against each other and against the action, which was incredibly exciting. And and it's still a film that I go back and watch uh, from time to time um, now. And I actually watched, I, did, I, I didn't have time to watch the whole thing, but I watched a few scenes uh, from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon after I watched uh, Sword of Destiny. Right. And boy, it holds up 100% and there oh, is sure. a, yeah there is a there is a visual sophistication to to those fight scenes that I think anyone making an action movie today mm-hmm. should should pay attention to cuz it's, it's just masterful yeah um, um so i guess just going jumping back in now to 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 the, this film the sword of destiny the yeah. the sequel not to be confused with tenacious d's pick of destiny i keep <laughs> thinking of that every time i say it yeah uh, but um, I guess we'll get into sort of story slash spoiler town. So if you haven't watched it yet, 
you could pause this. Well, well, and... should we should we give a quick synopsis? Uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the IMD synopsis right now. And I mean, the those... synopsis is: Have you seen Crouching Tiger? It's very similar. <laughs> it's very similar. And and here's the the IMD synopsis, which is terrible. A IMDb. Story of, There's a IMDb. database here. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> God damn you, Matt Kroll. Concentrate. A story ah. of lost love, young love, a legendary sword, and one last opportunity at redemption, which I think is also a false um, premise for the uh, synopsis as well, because it doesn't feel like this is one last opportunity. It feels like they could make more of these. Yeah, it feels like another it. opportunity for redemption. <laughs> yeah, another <laughs> opportunity for redemption. Um, uh, that doesn't sound as epic, I guess. So before we get into spoiler territories, Matt, what was your initial response to the film? Um. Oh, I guess I did jump the gun. I skipped a bunch of shit. My apologies. Um, yeah, no, I, I this is, this is uh, you'll, you'll hear this throughout my sort of review of it. I think I'm going to give this movie more passes than it actually deserves. Sure. Um, because I was watching it uh, with my girlfriend last night, and afterward, I just- We re- get it, I, Matt. I you tell- have a girlfriend. I get it. Yeah. Uh, and w- after I'd finished, I noticed that Robin did not uh, did not enjoy it, but- Something that hit for me, I was like, wow, I really miss these movies. Like, I haven't seen a, a martial arts movie that I've enjoyed uh, in, a, in a long time, I guess. that and like I, This is a part of my life, especially when Marchetti was showing me them back in college. I just, I used to eat them up all the time. And then even beyond that, when I first moved uh, to the city, they used to have a channel called Kung Fu HD right. um, on cable. And it was wonderful to see these, like, 70s and 80s movies, like, HD prints off the 35 millimeter, like uh, just being looking gorgeous and different looking. And I used to really get invested in them. And I haven't really sat down and watched one in, God, 10 years. Yeah. So, like, I feel like this filled a, a, a very large hole that I had no idea existed in my sort of cinema diet. Sure. And I, I, think, I think it's the perfect film for me at the perfect time. And so I'm going to try to remain as, as, um, unbiased as possible at least call that out when i know that i'm sort of gushing over it a little more than i think it deserves because i think there's a lot of problems yeah i mean i'm gonna i'll probably not give it as many passes as you just because i i'm such a fan of crouching tiger hidden dragon um but it look it is like you said in in your opening it is gorgeous to look at um, it is a great reintroduction to the genre that I haven't seen in a while. And there are parts of this movie that I think actually outdo the love story in the first film, uh, in a yeah, really, and we'll get into that in spoilers. Um, but on the whole, uh, Yi Wu Ping, who is the director of this uh, film, who's more famously known as a choreographer, although he is a, yeah. a well-established director in, uh, in China and Hong Kong. But here um, he's, he's stunts, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, he directs program. here. Yeah, he but he he's famously for uh, for doing the stunts on Kill Bill, The Matrix, um Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um yeah. so uh, and he he's famous for the wire work uh, aesthetic, so the um being able to do death, you know, gravity defying jumps and kicks. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I I feel like as as much of a master as he is in choreography and you know and he is a great director on his own right to me unlike Ang Lee he is kind of um a B director you know like he is good at delivering scenes but not with the kind of weight and intensity and emotional investment that a director like Ang Lee is able to yeah, do. Yeah, emotional now, Lee, intensity. I, yeah. I think the intensity was there in the fight scenes themselves. Yeah, but the... For but the, the style, but there was no, like, real... Yeah, there I, was I no, no no real heart to it. And, and, yeah. and, and it, you know, like, to me, the thing that I missed was, like, feeling a genuine connectedness to the film. Now, another thing that I... Now, this is going to expose some hypocrisy in me because I don't think I Wait, mentioned no, this. No, say it ain't so, Shahir. <laughs> say it ain't so. I mean, look, uh, I don't think it will because I'm always right. But but there but we perhaps. go. That's better. I was worried about you for a second. I, I was worried that you'd lost your edge not yeah, being yeah. in the I, studio. I've softened in my old age. But I, <laughs> I, I'm just thinking back to our Beast of No Nation discussion. And did I mention, did we talk about the fact that Beast of No Nation is in English? Um... It might have come up, but I don't think it was a huge talking point. No, and I think I might have given it a pass because because it's set in a fictitious African nation. But it does... Uh, now, this is... When we come back to the Netflix discussion of, you know, like net, the fact that Netflix is supporting these uh, these more 
difficult to distribute films in America. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing to take notice of, this is the second major film from Netflix, and it's the second time that they've taken a foreign country's language and made it English. And I felt it so, so hard in this film. And it's one of the things that, like, it's kind of like chalk on, you know, like nails on a chalkboard for me is hearing um, a foreign uh, foreign actors do English in a film that's set in China. Um, I, I just, I can't stand it. And if I didn't point it out in Beast of No Nation, I think I probably gave it a pass. My hypocrisy is, is that there are certain films that I feel manage to transcend that, that inherent barrier that I have to watching those films and films like, uh, I watched right. Dr. Zhivago recently, uh, Zhivago for the first time. And, you know, that's a film set in the Russian revolution and it's told entirely in English. And I, Although I think it would be a better film if it was in Russian. Um, it, it didn't bother me that much. Schindler's List doesn't bother me that much. But a film like Valkyrie, for some reason, which is um, set in Germany and has Tom Cruise playing uh, a Nazi commander, just it, it just didn't work for me. Again, it was like nails on chalkboard. So the fact is... Crouching Tiger, uh, sort of Desti- uh, Hidden Dragon, Sword and Destiny is in English, and I think it's a, that almost knocks it like twenty demerit points for me. If there was a scale, um, it just, especially given how popular, successful Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was as a foreign language movie mm-hmm. for American audiences, um, there's something about the dialogue when spoken in English that makes it sound incredibly silly. Um, yes, no, 100%. And actually I was reading I didn't I was debating whether or not to watch it in chi- in uh in Chinese or is it, it I, I It's not available. I mean I, I I I did I didn't think it was available. No, it is. You can watch it. You can watch it with a track. It, it's on there. You can watch oh, it in, really? either, in either language. But it's dubbed. So it's sh- it's English and then it's dubbed in is it Mandarin or is it um Cantonese? I think it's Mandarin. Cant- okay. Oh, um, uh, but, Aaron's going to scold me so hard if I got that wrong and I think I did. Yep. Oh, uh, Aaron, <laughs> d- d- deduct points. Go back to his old tests. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, uh, you could do it that I was debating doing that and, uh, and then watching it with English subtitles and, and people I've read on Reddit and a couple people have sort of said like, it's even some of the stuff like the, the, it, it, it made it feel like it had more weight the way the words came across with English subtitles yeah. felt like everything was more important. And I don't know if I equate that to, I'm just going from a English speak speaker reading subtitles for a film. I think when you do that, you can actually, in your brain, give it more weight, too. Right. Like, if you're paying attention and you care enough, like, you can make any sentence sound better in your head. Right. Um, but, I, I, yeah, there's something weird. There's very, there's just something odd. I, I was kind of hoping it would be uh, not in English and then and then dubbed. Right. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it just, uh, and I'm just reading now, I think it actually was in Cantonese, not in Mandarin. So, again, there I got that wrong. Um, but, um I just find like the to me the wuxia. The oh, it film... actually says here it says it's Mandarin. Is that what you said oh, or no? I said Mandarin, but I just read something that said it was Cantonese. I don't know. I. It could disc- be. I mean, we're getting. To, yeah, we don't know. It, we're but, getting uh, into territory that we're not too familiar with. Um, yes. Um, I find that there's a poetry to the language that is best expressed in its original form. Oh, of course. That is just entirely lost in English. But it's weird uh, because the original form is a script they didn't shoot. In, you know what I mean? In in the Sword of Destiny or Crash yes. In Sword what? of Destiny. How do you mean? It, oh yeah, like okay. they they, they so shot they it in English. It, they wrote it in its original language, but then they translated it to English, shot it in English, and then used the original script. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's fucking weird. It's weird, and it doesn't work. And I think it's it's you know like if anyone's coming to this genre new, this is not the way to do it. No, uh, I think Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the first one is a great starting point to get you interested in in this style of film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one, uh, I, I are we in spoilers now? We're 100% in spoilers? No, not, not quite in spoilers. But cl- oh, but we've done this for a half hour now, Shahir. we got to talk about spoilers. <laughs> use, your in- use your focus, Mac, for Matthew. Uh, focus. That's my focus noise. <laughs> Um, well, I, I mean, because I, I just wanted to point out, you know, like how successful uh, Crouching Tiger was. It, it was a behemoth of a film. It won four Academy Awards, uh, made a shit ton of money. Um, so to for Netflix to kind of hedge their bets against the language factor, I think, is is disappointing. 
uh, you know, frankly, it just doesn't work, and it's disappointing that they chose to do it that way. Given that they have a, you know, a, a Chinese director, a, mm-hmm. an almost entirely Chinese cast. I know a lot of the actors came from Australia and New Zealand, but you know, I just feel like they should have gone that extra mile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apparently, it just it rolled out in um in China and it uh, over the weekend, I guess, or or something. Uh, Thirty two mil at this point, or okay. as of two days ago. Okay, that's not bad. So that was in theaters, I believe, not in. I think the international rollout might be just all Netflix. Okay. Um, before you go on, I also did ask Aaron to kind of give us a fill-in on Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon success. Um, would you like to hear what Aaron had to say about how, how Crouching Tiger kind of changed the game and paved the way for a film like Sword of Destiny? Yes, please. Play it! Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon created what British scholar Leon Hunt terms a new category of film called the Martial Art House Film. Basically, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon catapulted the Wuxia Pian into global popularity. It attained unexpected global box office success, grossing $128 million in the United States to achieve the honor of highest grossing foreign film up to that time, as well as grossing $213.5 million globally. It also had a successful run of film festival and industry accolades, At the Oscars, it won the Best Foreign Film, Art Direction, Original Score, and Cinematography. In Hong Kong, it won Best for Film, Director, Supporting Actress, Cinematography, and Action Choreography. However, the film itself was not able to create a sustained and ongoing global run of Wu Xiaopian after its success. Many films were released However, they did not receive the same level of global theatrical distribution and marketing as did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. All right. So, yeah, obviously Crouching Tiger was a phenomenal hit. And I think one thing that Aaron's pointing to as well is that there was at least an attempt to to carry on that tradition with, you know, like the bigger films that came out after that were um, Mm -hmm. Hero and House of Flying Daggers. Did you see either of those two? I did, but I gotta I gotta be honest. I remember I remember Crouching Tiger. I don't particularly remember the other two. Like, well, that's and I could, and I could I could the reason I could say that you don't remember them is they're not as good, uh, ah. in my opinion. Um, I, I know Aaron's particularly a fan of Hero, and I hope I'm not putting words in his mouth. But I I'm not the biggest fan of Heroes. I think it's kind of structure over good storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful, I mean, it is a gorgeous film. It's probably one of the most beautiful films ever shot to date, um, shot by Christopher Doyle. And it is the, uh, if you don't remember the film, one of the things is it's a, basically a flashback story where each flashback is has a completely different palette. So everyone wears red costumes and the, yes! the series red. Yes! And then it goes to blue yep. and then green. It's beautiful, beautiful. I had forgotten about that. I love that shit. Yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, and, and if you, if, if anything that Aaron said could be pointed to why Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny exists is possibly to re try and recapitalize on the success of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, I, I, that's, that's my feeling about why it exists before we get into spoilers. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of this film off the bat and I'm sort of, I can see why they made it, as in there's, it's an attempt to try and recapitalize on sure. that uh, on that success. But I, I, other than that, I don't really see why they made it. Yeah, it's an odd time, um, but <clears throat> I don't know, man. Like we're in. Wow, I feel like this podcast is about everything but the movie. Uh, but <laughs> no, it's an important thing to say is like we're in a time where yeah, fifteen, sixteen years down the road, all of a sudden we want to do a sequel for shit. Fuck. Zoolander 2 came out last weekend. Yeah, and why like, did that ex- sequel exist? Like, you know? and, and I love Zoolander, and I mean, any any of these sequels, uh, you know, Dumb and Dumber 2 or whatever, Anchorman 2, like these comedies that, like, I'm, I'm so shocked there has not been a Wedding Crashers 2. Like, <laughs> I'm sure and, someone's and got that, it in the works. And that might happen. Yeah. And, like, I just don't think, I, I think because Hangover 2 proved it could sort of be done, People think it can be done, and 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 Hangover Two, while a box office success, was not like it was just the same movie again. I mean, well, you, can, you kind of say the same here. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, Crash and Tiger Sword Destiny is, is almost the same movie. It's just kind of like uh, it's the the sequelization theory, which is that well, people enjoyed the first, let's give it to them again, except with bigger stunts and bigger, you know, 
bigger stars or do something different. I always remember a quote from Jerry Seinfeld about um, sequels where he said, think of it this way. If we, if in 20, 30 years from now, we might have gone back and thought about The Hangover as one of the greatest comedies made in the 2000s. Right. But because it had two terrible sequels, that's what we'll remember about it. Yeah. You know? You know, like, whereas if you, if it, yeah. if they, you know, the sequels can really degrade what was great about the original as well. You know what's, you know what's so funny? Another big Netflix release. Uh, this is the only podcast about everything but Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. Another sure. big Netflix release, same day, Fuller House. Yeah. Now, and why does that I'm, exist? I've watched a couple episodes, and, you know, at first, I don't know how you've heard of, if you've heard about this, but, like, the original, like, parents and, and Uncle Jesse and Joey and all that stuff, um, they're only in a few episodes. Right. They're not in it throughout. It's mainly about Stephanie, DJ, and Kimmy and their kids. Yeah. Um, and at first, I was like, ah, fuck. Yeah. Uh, and, but the first episode is painful. I like, think I, I walked in on my wife watching it, and I was like, and I kind of cringed my way out of the room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's painful. It's all references and whatever. But you know what it does, and I'm, I'm not through it yet. Um, I think I'm three or four episodes in. I actually, from as far as a sitcom standard sort of goes, I I actually am not minding it when it's just the girls and their kids, right. and like if if Joey comes over to babysit one night, like that's kind of how it's played out. Right. It. It's 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 sort of it's sort of better in that regard when they don't just keep fucking doing like again it's the same thing the premise is exactly the same yeah. DJ's husband dies left alone with kids friends move in to help and ta da it's the same with Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon Sword of Destiny the premise is the same which is that uh, Yushu Lin uh, who's played by Michelle. Yo, in the first film, God bless uh, her, and she looks amazing at fifty-three. Um, is coming back to protect the Green Destiny, which was the sword that was being fought over in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Now, the film mm-hmm. doesn't have uh, Chow Yun Fat, uh, Li Mu Bai. Yeah, yeah, it just uh, it, huge, but, huge problem for me. But yeah, huge hole in the film yeah. um, because they try to replace it with Donnie Yin as Silent Wolf. And he, Donnie Yen is, again, a fantastic martial artist. And it's it's probably offensive to say it like this, but he kind of has always struck me as a B, as a B actor compared to someone oh. like Chai Yun-Fat or Tony Leung, who's, you know, like was in Ashes of Time or um, uh, the Grandmaster as well. Those are kind of A-level actors and Donnie Yen's always struck me as a B-level actor. And that kind of, th- this whole film kind of, I, I feel the kind of B-movie s- feel to it, you, you know, if that makes sure. any sense, you know? Like, yeah, it, but at the same time, it's it's I'm, it's I'm so funny when these things come out. There's a level of B-movie now that's not, like, from a from a technical and from a visual standpoint. Oh, yeah, it doesn't, it, it's, it's... It's totally A-grade. Oh, yeah, it's like, completely accomplished. But it's so this weird, it's, I mean, I might call these B-plus films or A-minus films. <laughs> I don't know what the fucking genre is. Well, here's the thing. I think maybe that's a that's a, a that's a good uh, pointer to the fact that that there is an increased democratization of technology. People are able to make you know like the gold standard of movies you know with with less equipment these days. Sure, sure. Um, but it does. But it but it also points to what the distinction between a filmmaker like Ang Lee. Who is able to 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 you know to 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 be technically that adept, but but also emotionally that adept, yeah. you know, and I think that's what's missing in this film. I do have to say, so um, Michelle Yeoh uh, is phenomenal in this movie, as she's phenomenal sort of in everything. And I'm just I'm always thoroughly impressed, and I guess because she's so I guess constantly in shape her entire life, sort of <laughs> uh, like she just the moves that she does now, sixteen years later look just as fucking good like that to me is a level of like uh i guess what's the word i'm looking for physical not endurance but just um drive that that i've never even remotely had a a sliver of so (laughs) i mean kudos to anyone in a in this industry or or b it just in martial arts in general who just like keeps fucking trucking yeah, I'm not sure exactly how much is her versus how much is a body double, and I know that was the issue, a single issue in the first film as well, particularly with Chow Yun Fat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it but it points to another pleasure of the genre, which is that you know, despite the wire work being amazing in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, one of the things that is incredible is watching 
great physical performers just do their thing. Oh yeah. And and I felt that that was missing in sort of Destiny as well. Like they were really good performers, but the 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 it's a thing where I think Yi Wu Ping is an amazing choreographer, but not necessarily an amazing cinematographer or an amazing okay, filmmaker. I can see that. You know, like there was a way that Ang Lee was able to like a be cutty and sure. be you know capture the action simultaneously. So he didn't he didn't just do like long takes of people fighting, but he but he also kind of like choreographed it it shot it in such a way to 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 best show people you know delivering stunts you know that were kind of jaw dropping mm-hmm. um and that's just missing in this film despite having you know like a bigger arsenal of visual tricks up its sleeve yeah i mean again i i i totally agree but again it's like that weird thing like everything you say makes sense to me in 100% and and it's weird just, that be- yeah. because of the time i watched it like i said in the beginning of this podcast I'm like, I don't care. Like, something I really liked, and it's spoiler time, Cher. I don't give a fuck. Now oh we're going to start talking about yeah, yeah, Spoiler it, Town it, 9000. It, it, it. um, it's later on in the film when a um, when we sort of meet. Basically, people have to come and protect the sword because uh, Michelle Yeoh is not the only one, and she knows she can't hold it against these people. Like, first they sent a kid in to try to, like, steal it because he's, like, connected to the sword or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then they decide they need more protection, so they put up bounties all around town. Yeah. Uh, side note, I love how that's how it used to work. You could just like stick a, a piece <laughs> of paper up and be like, come protect this sword if you I, have I, honor. Yeah, I love that genre. Now, I've seen that sort of sub genre of like, you know, like we talk, uh, you know, the, the Fellowship of the Ring, but also like in, in Japanese films as well, like the Seven Samurai. Sure. Uh, or 13 Warriors. Yeah, so it was basically like the Avengers assembling it at this sort of noodle house bar place in the woods once they, like, uh, Silent Wolf. Uh, found the main guy there. Found the uh, the the banner and put it up at this at this noodle bar thing shop. I guess it was yeah. kind of like a, a trading post or something. Yeah. Uh, and then all these fucking I, I called it the Chinese Fellowship of the Ring. Like sure. all these like cool warriors with very specific powers that felt almost Mortal Kombat-y to me. Which is I'm sure they do because Mortal Kombat borrows heavily from these yeah. films. Sure. Um, but uh, but like there was the guy with the armored arms, and there was the girl with the poison darts, and the guy with the knives, and then my and the personal favorite, master. yeah, yep, the drunken master dude. Oh God bless him. That's my. I mean, Jackie Chan's drunken master, both versions I love. But I, yeah. whenever I see that character in a movie or that type of fighter. I don't know. It just, it really makes my, it just, it makes the whole thing come together for me. Yeah. It tickles the um, cockles of your heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I love that, that assemblage, but I, I, there's an interesting thing that happens and, you know, obviously spoilers that a few of them die uh, and it's supposed to carry Spoilers, weight. all of them die. Well, yes, eventually all of them die, but 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 at the be- uh, at the beginning, just one or two of them die, and it's supposed to be kind of like it's meant to feel like an emotional moment. Right. And I don't know, did did that connect with you? Did it land? with No. You? I, well, here's this is the weird fucking thing, man. Like then they have the scenes where they're all like joking around and having fun together, and it's super fucking cheesy, and I love oh, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then that's supposed to give you the weight for when they die that you care. I have this weird. Oh, I don't know if it's the genre or whatever, but like obviously they did not a hundred percent. You look at it, anyone watching it who's not already engrossed is gonna be like, I don't give a fuck. This has no yeah. emotional weight whatsoever. Yeah. But me, like when when the first couple of them died, I was like, no! Like I, I yelled really? no. Like, well, yeah, well, but like well, that's great. But like in a weird sort of play along, it in a this is where it's different. It's not me legitimately caring. It's me uh, a la going to see the room in in like a theater. <laughs> Yeah. And like uh, being like, shut the door or like whatever. Like the it's it's me interacting with the film, not because the film elicited a purely emotionally natural interaction. But for me, the enjoyment of a film like this and it's the sequel, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the original didn't do this because I feel like it delivered on an emotional level. When 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 a film like in this style is lacking in emotion, I sort of go into my little kid brain and and sort of, I don't know, make it more fun for myself in sure. a weird way. Sure, um, I can see that, and, and, and so I'm glad, I did. And I'm glad that 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 actually landed for you because I think if it does land for you, then the film is much more enjoyable. Yes, and and Robin looked at me like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> I was like, "No, but it, it was important." <laughs> but I know, like, from a crafting of the film standpoint, they did not deliver that for the majority of audiences that weren't in my mindset. 
Right, and and you know the film has an ending montage which shows those characters, you know those character introductions again as though yeah. they were kind like of beloved, like- yeah, yeah, beloved characters. And I and I was just like, oh, it's that guy again. Wait, oh yeah, he died. I don't yeah. care. Um, so so for me, that kind of and and it has to do with the clunkiness of the 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 sitting around the fire scene and talking about how they all came to. You know, and why the 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 reason they all came to to protect sort of dis- the the green destiny and why they're all there because like, it was all their style, right? Their style was I know they fought with different weapons. It was Iron Way, I Iron. Yeah. It just something. none of that like landed for me. Maybe it was a language thing. Maybe it was a performance thing. Um, mm. It just didn't work. Um, and I wasn't. I, I, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, yeah. there's no question. You have to. A lot of times in this movie, you have to make your own fun. Yeah. And, I, and since you hate fun, Shahir. I mean, there's That'd no be a way. That'd very I'm difficult ju- task. It did incredibly difficult for someone like myself. Um, now, do you think? Let me ask you this, and this might be sort of transition into the third question you asked mm-hmm. Aaron. Um, do you think that this sort of like sort of crafting of character was lost due to sort of the the Hollywood esque directing, like here, as opposed to what I, we I th- might see in other films of this genre? I that's a difficult question and, and yes I, I did ask Aaron that question and we'll get to his response in a second uh, specifically about you know the distinction you know what Ang Lee brought to the table but uh, it's odd to call Yi Wu Ping a Hollywood director because you know he doesn't work in you know in Hollywood yeah, yeah 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 he, well he but does, this movie kind of reeks of Hollywood. It does entirely, way. and I think I think what you're referring to there is it, it's not necessarily a Hollywood approach to the film, but it's it might be think. It, it might be more of a like, well, that's how that's who we're trying to target this film towards. So Maybe. we need to make it more palatable for them. Yeah, um, and that's where the English language thing comes in. And so it's weird because it, because although Crouching Tiger, the original, was directed by Ang Lee, it didn't feel like that was necessarily a film for Hollywood. So you know? do you think it? Do you think it was then the writing here by James uh, Fusco? Uh, no, Shu, no uh, uh, James Schumer, who wrote the original. Oh, sorry. Uh, so the lack of it then. Yeah, well, James Sheamus, James Sheamus uh, is is a terrific writer. He's you know one of the one of the great screenwriters of Hollywood. Plus, he's an amazing producer as well. He started the from uh, the company Good Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I he, now he didn't he, he doesn't have sole writing credit on that film either. He wrote it with um, with another writer. Uh, gotcha. Uh, Hu Lang Wang, um, but but. I, I think the like the writing is missing. Um, definitely the emotional content of the writing. But why don't we hear what Aaron had to say about it? Alrighty. There is always resistance whenever someone from Hollywood attempts to enter into a Asian film genre. However, for the case of Ang Lee, some of the resistance was mitigated by the fact that he was personally immersed in the wuxia lore uh, throughout his life, and he brought together a dream team of cinematic talent to create a mesmerizing film. In fact, I would call Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon a genre-defining film. Ang Lee's cinematic success prior to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon focused on gay and heterosexual romances. So when you watch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you see an insertion of romantic melodrama that is usually lacking in previous wuxia films. I think that's exactly sort of what we were talking about, how this movie, I mean, that well, Ang Lee put a ton of sort of romantic emotion in the original. Yeah. And this one, it that's lacking. And it's funny because there's more action in this one. There's definitely more fighting. And yeah. the fighting looks sometimes i mean it looks good all the time but like suit like dope as fuck like the there's a scene where silent wolf uh fights um the young kid yifang or yeah uh, and then his master uh on a frozen lake yeah and and that's a that's a cool in principle i think that Uh, just the whole thing i mean you could tell it was shot on green screen but it was so cool looking you didn't give a shit like yeah it was just so nice and to see them like i love the the you know the wushu sort of uh I always pronounce it wrong. Um, style is see them, you know, floating through the air and be weightless and be sort of control over one's gravity and all that stuff. But this was like them sliding farther on ice and like snow. I don't know. The whole fucking thing looked great. But again, yeah. where where this where the this with film the Netflix film sung 
it definitely lost a lot of any emotional gravitas based on I mean, the characters we mentioned we didn't care about and the romances I didn't give a shit about here either. Yeah, and, and you know, like, there, there are two major set pieces in this film that are both kind of CG-heavy set pieces. Uh, they are the, the ice fight that you just mentioned and then the fight on top of the tower at yep, the end. Yep, which was neat-looking. Uh, well, I, you know, look, the, the, the ice fight, I think, is a less CG, you know, like, has less yes. factors involved and it looks cooler. And then the then the tower fight, which is like almost like a big is like all CG, um, but none of them are as interesting as the bamboo fight in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, for yep, example. You know, like not, none 100%. of them have that that kind of weight to it, and it goes to show that 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 the emotional side of the fight is more important, I think, than the actual technicalities of the fight. While there needs to be a technical yeah. proficiency, yep. it's it's not as important. And and it's just it's just missing that factor so so much. There's also, like I found, and this is just because I have an editing background as well. The editing to me was really clunky in this movie, like to the point where I felt like the the general editing or the yeah, fight editing. The fight editing wasn't terrible, although I wish there were like you know there was more chance to see great fighting, you know, just doing its thing. But yeah. there, but there was there was unusual editing in this film. Like for example, there's a scene where Snowvase, the young girl releases Taifung right before that ice fight that you mentioned. Yep. And and she's kind of like, she's unsure about doing it and it's a big decision and then she does it. And then the next scene we see is her sleeping right after doing it and then Taif, uh, Waifung comes back to steal the sword. And it's like she, so it's kind of like the way it's edited is kind of like she was really upset about yeah. this thing. Then she went back to sleep and then he came back and still, you know, and the thing that yeah, she yeah, was worried yeah, yeah. about, he did, he did anyway. But it all happens within like 30 seconds of each other. And I was like, why? What? What's going on here? And then and even, when, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, and when Waifung um, uh, takes the green destiny to, to Hades die, the master, uh, it's sort of cut in a way that like Hades Fire is standing right in front of him, but then when they do a pullback, you realize Hades Fire uh, die is like way up on top of the tower. But the cutting kind of like muddles all that orient that spatial orientation for me, and I was like, oh wait, he's actually here? Oh no, he's there. It, it just it was yeah. I found the whole thing kind of clunky. Yeah, I know. I totally get that. And uh, even from a story perspective, too, I feel like the story editing itself kind of fell apart a couple times. Like the whole thing is because this sword, this, this sword, the green destiny, like no one's ever lost while holding it. Yeah. And in this movie, like two or three people lose while holding <laughs> holding it. it. Yeah, and you're like, OK. And then like it's not that important, I guess. It's like the sword doesn't. The, what was the line? It's like the you don't hold the sword. The sword holds you. Holds us. Yeah. Oh, boy. That was like the the. Uh, the the King Kong final line, right? You know, so like, I guess it was like beauty, I guess you killed the, the beast. The sword was in us, and all of us, or whatever yeah, the fuck. Yeah, so yeah, that like kind of it just the, that that like you undercut doing something like that. You undercut any emotional weight you've built to the entire story. Like everyone yeah. wants the sword, then all of a sudden it doesn't matter who has the sword. So like I don't know, Dude, maybe you, I read that wrong, but I just it made me not care even more. You know, one uh, thing that actually landed for me, that actually landed, I was I was kind of surprised by how, by how well this worked, is that, again, in like Crouching Tiger, there are two simultaneous romances, a kind of unrequited love between uh, Yush... Oh, I'm going to say her name wrong again, but uh, Yushu Lin, Michelle Yeoh's character, yep. and another grandmaster in the first film was Lee Mu Bai, played by Chai Yun-Fat, and this one it's Silent Wolf, played by Donnie Yen. So that's yep. this unrequited love that goes on, you know, that's that's mentioned there. And then there's like a new love that happens underneath But then in, that. in Michelle Yeoh's love, though, hold on, then she yeah. says she loves him. Yeah, she actually in this film she actually kind of like makes the decision to be with him, which didn't happen in, in um And in, also just felt completely out of fucking left field to me. It was yeah. like, oh well this should happen because we're here. And it's it's possibly like a Hollywood version of what happened in the original. Because in the original film, both love stories end up ending unhappily. Yeah. You know, like in, in a kind of poetically beautiful way. Yeah. Um but in this in this film there was You liked the young one. Yeah, in this film, the young, the young. Well, it's not a young love story, but it's a it's a story of um, 
two young people who find out that they have interconnected pasts, you know, like where you find out that they was were interesting, actually, yes. Yeah, they were raised by the same woman who, and one of them was stolen away, and the other woman spent her life trying to find the find him, and they've ended up, to, you know, fighting against each other now. Um, uh, and these are played by two new actors, and you can see uh, the the young woman is played by Natasha Leo Borzizo, who's an Australian actor, and then the uh, uh, she plays Snowvase, and Yi Fung is played by Harry Shum Jr. as a Hong Kong actor who's appeared in Glee, I think, and a couple of other uh, American films. That that story actually kind of worked for me. I was surprised by like how well that story worked, and I felt like that was kind of possibly from the original novel, or you know, like yeah, that. But I, you know, like that I kind of wish, yeah, yeah, that I kind of felt like I wish that that was more the the, the film was more about that. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think that story about like how the the they some woman stole the the boy because mm-hmm. the boy mm-hmm. having a male child is more important than having a female child back in the day. Yeah. Um and like so then I just I don't know. I liked that a lot and I liked their sort of interconnectedness through that and um yeah, that had a little more gravitas than anything else really in the film. It's surprising um, how well that works given the rest of the film doesn't work. Right, right. Yeah. And it, and it could be because and I know we're sort of talking about characters and stuff. Everyone in this movie, I mean, this movie kind of lives and dies on its on its uh, character charisma in a weird way. Yeah. Like, and it's not like all over the top drunken fighter characters, but like Michelle Yeoh, even uh, Snow Vaz, uh, and mm-hmm. like all that shit. Like, I don't know. You just you like them all for different reasons. Yeah. But, yeah. Th- th- that. But the thing is, here's the here's the twist. You like them, you don't just don't care. Like. Yeah. It, they're tertiary to me. They they don't, like, I don't really care about the thing, and especially, like, the only thing if I'm supposed to care about is this fucking sword. If it gets in the hands of the main bad guy, then the fucking, the martial world will go into disarray and it'll take over the whole fucking thing. Yeah, it um, was kind of a, it was a kind of, I, and I was kind of curious. When he already had a badass sword. He did, and he was like a master swordsman, and I, I, it kind of felt like a little bit like Hamlet, you know, like the, the sort of evil witch that was telling yeah. him to like... Oh, and don't get me started on fucking Nightcrawler Light, that fucking witch contact <laughs> why, lady. Why did she want revenge on, on Yushu Lin, say. on Michelle, on Michelle Yeoh's character? They need to say, the, right? The second that they fucking did the whole disappearing bullshit, I was like, this isn't supposed to... Just, yeah, this this shouldn't be in this like, movie. Yeah, like that CG was wrong. I will say the, the the tower CG, some of it looked a little schlocky, but I was I'm always impressed with ragdoll body physics and modeling. Like they fall through levels of the tower at one point. Yeah. Um, and that looked great to me. Like that one shot, there was like a long shot of them crashing through roofs. I was like, oh wow. Like I know in my brain it's CG, but like the way the bodies moved, I felt like the motion capture or whatever they did, the animation. Uh, felt very real. I, um, I don't, to me, it kind of felt like live action Looney Tunes, you know. Like, sure, yeah. You know, by that point, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, but we've been ranting and raving for near an hour now, Shahir. What is uh, Aaron? Yeah, should we ask Aaron what he thought well, about the film? Yeah, let's ask him what he thought of the movie, and then we'll do our final thoughts. And uh, yeah, all right, Aaron, what do you think? At present, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny represents the best amalgam of the cinematic traditions from Hong Kong. China, and Hollywood. It does so by successfully blending together authentic martial arts skills, fabulous action choreography, inventive wire foo, a limited dependence on digital special effects, Hollywood big budget production values, and respectful producers such as Bay Logan who have the expertise and commitment to create cinematic magic. As an academic, I can see some limitations in this film. It's been accused of being too Chinese and too Western. Here I would agree. It is too Chinese because we can call this an example of wuxia with Chinese characteristics, since there were certain changes that had to be made in order for the film to pass mainland Chinese censorship and thereby be welcomed for general film distribution within the Chinese theatrical circuit. We can also call it too Western since it comes across as a wuxia romance, since at the very end, we have a Hollywood happy ending with a Xu Lian reunited with her man and the two junior semi-siblings all riding horses and walking off into the sunset. This is the classical happy ending of a Hollywood Western. Plot twist. Aaron liked the film. I think yeah. Aaron liked the film more than, more than we did. Well, see, I think he liked it 
clinically more than I did. I I, I do have to say I, I liked it, but again, I have to give it that caveat of perfect film, perfect time for me. Right, um, right. Uh, yeah, no, I'm glad he liked it. And actually, Shahir, uh, you're you're making true on what you said about our, our man Aaron here. He seems like he knows how to have fun. How did a man who knows how to have and appreciate fun <laughs> end up teaching me? Stump, how did stomach I- your fun hating? I'm I am the fallen student that has taken his teachings the wrong way and oh, used, no! them the, used them for evil rather than good. Um, no, <laughs> I, I, I do. I, you know, look, if there are, it's 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 that kind of thing, which is that the genre is so much about spectacle that if you derive pleasure purely from the spectacle, then I can't fault that. It's kind of the way you know we come back to everything. We should be we should rename this podcast to be the Marvel Universe podcast. But in the way that you know, no, you kill yourself. <laughs> but in the way that. If you enjoy a Marvel film and it gives you pleasure, then there's no, there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. There's there's no reason to, since, to fault that. Since when? <laughs> I think it's wrong, but <laughs> uh, but but you know, like I I can't if you if you simply want to to me if you simply want to see cool waifu scenes, you know, done on a grand scale, then this is the film for you. I personally think that there is a much better film in the original and i think yeah. that this film in a way degrades what was great about the original by well that's the problem by, by cashing the... in on it if, if it was yeah. a, if it was an entirely different film that didn't have crouching tiger hidden dragon in the title and they yep. went fighting the green De- trying to fight over the green destiny from the first film yeah. and it wasn't michelle you reprising her character then i might have been like you know what yeah it's fine but because it's all of those things it can't help but be seen in the sh- in the shadow of its predecessor which is yeah. a far superior film yeah, there's something to be said about that, and and I mean, I I wish more sort of filmmakers would kind of realize that. Like, I, again, like you, you, the fact that, for instance, like Terminator Three or any of the Terminators, really, yeah, after Terminator Two, keep trying to over Trump the greatness of T Two and failing. Like, yeah. you failed three times now. Like, but but even that that's a great um, series of films to point to where this where the sequel outdoes the predecessor. You know, like T2 right, so is much better both. than... T2 yeah. is way better. So, yes, it's t- it's both examples of how it can work, but then the sequels yeah. to T2... I, what I'm saying is this. If, you, if you're not sure, filmmakers out there in the universe, that your movie is going to be better than the original, <laughs> eh, don't do it. Like, it, I like that this film exists. Don't get me wrong. But right. if this was just called something else, the same exact movie, rename the sword... Uh, and and rename the movie. I feel like you could you could acclaim it more. You could you could give it every, more. People could give it more passes. Like absolutely, it's basically and, and, what you just said. And, and here's the thing as well is that this is you know even of the films like this that I love, um, like um, for example, uh, Shaolin Soccer, Kung Fu Hustle, which are, you know kind of more comedies. Yeah. Um, Young Detective D, you know, the new Choi Hak film. Mm-hmm. Uh, those films aren't great movies either. They're kind of fun and enjoyable, yeah. and, and, the, and the pleasure is the waifu, you know, the waifu in it, but not necessarily the film itself. Crouching Tiger is an anomaly in many respects. I think, yeah. you know, a film like Hero and, and uh, House of Flying Daggles, Daggers tries to replicate, or, you know, is, is aiming for the same sure. thing as Crouching Tiger, but it doesn't, you know, for me, it doesn't quite hit. But those are, that that's a different kind of film to to what sort of destiny is trying to do there's so, another well there's another film that came out this year that won major prizes at Cannes that i haven't seen yet but i really would like to see uh how how and shu's film uh assassin now how and shu is a is a taiwanese filmmaker who is kind of like ang lee which is that he's not really known for doing wuxia films um, right so i'm really curious to, and, and the films that he makes are very intimate personal um explorations of love uh yeah, yeah. Like a film like millennium mambo that he made so i'm really curious to see what he does mm-hmm. uh but i'm not it's always you know, fun to see people step out of their wheelhouse and take an established sort of thing and be like i'm gonna try this now or you know uh, like ang lee doing the hulk <laughs> well it's it's sometimes <laughs> it doesn't yeah, sometimes fun yeah um so Shahir, with all that said and done would you recommend people watch crouching tiger hidden dragon sword of destiny Look, because it's on Netflix, because, you know, most of us have easy access to Netflix, although, uh, you know, not always the case. I, you know, it's it's worth a watch, but I don't, uh, 
I find it very hard to give this uh, a recommendation. It's it's mm-hmm. I it's only worth a watch if you have time. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, you don't make time, but don't if you make have time, time for this movie. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And I think one thing it did for me again, I gotta say, right film, right time. I really enjoyed it, but I also agree with easily ninety seven percent of what you hear said here, which is something that rarely happens. <laughs> yeah, um, but. Uh, I will say something it really did, and obviously the barrier to entry, great. You, no, there's no excuse if you like these kind of movies to watch it and at least get your own opinion yourself. And and you can write us in at where, Shahir? Onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or on yes. Twitter at onlymoviepod. Tell us what you thought of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. Uh, but also, write us in and let us know. I actually just took a minute after finishing this film and went through the foreign section of Netflix. Just scrolled, scrolled, scrolled. There's some amazing old. There's a couple wushu, uh, wushu, but also some uh, some like just Hong Kong sort of like fight movies from like yeah. the 70s and things uh, that are all still sort of uh, in there. And I, I I'm glad I finally like. I was like, oh yeah, I love this genre. So yeah. like, uh, there's a ton of them that I found that I'm going to go back and watch. And if you guys find any, please send them my way or what your our, our way and what your favorite ones are. Um, yeah, my yeah. my my Netflix queue is filled with their foreign section, which I think is just a gold mine. It um, really is. It's yeah. one I forget about all the time. But um, yeah, and uh, Shahir, well, first of all, Aaron, who can't hear us right now, but eventually will. Thank you so much for coming and lending uh, a ton of your legitimacy to this conversation. Uh, it's helped me sort of understand things about this genre that I love and I've sort of forgotten about until now. Uh, so thank you very much, Shahir, and thank you for finding your old mentor, who apparently you've betrayed. I've betrayed with my lack of fun. I, I have disappointed Aaron in every way, but I am proud to have been uh, uh, a pupil of his. And, nice. and as I say, anyone who is a pupil of his now is very, very lucky. No, I, I, can, I can totally, totally see that. Um, all right, well, this has been the only podcast about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. Uh, you can find me at Emperor MSK on Twitter, Skeletor the number four PREZ on Instagram, and www.matthewkroll.com on the World Wide Webs. And you can find Shahir at www.shahirdowd.com, S H A H I R D A U D. You can email us at the Only Movie Podcast at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or on our Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. Please write us in. We enjoy listening, uh, reading your emails and reading them out on air. Audience, if you liked the pitch to our website for two times this time, that's sort of the same equivalent you'll get from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the original, <laughs> and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. So just take that as you will. Uh, Shahir, say the most heroic thing you possibly can. Finish him. Ooh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> the most heroic and, and evil thing I can say. Fatality. Fatality.